This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. Richard Knight, a BBC producer, was thrilled at the opportunity to interview Jerry Nelson, the renowned puppeteer. It was a chance to peer behind the veil, to get a sense of what Nelson thought about the fictional world he inhabited. But that's not what Richard Knight was going to get, because as the email he didn't read carefully stated, Muppets always stay in character. They call me the Count because I love to count things. Jerry Nelson, AKA Count Von Count, opened with a signature Sesame Street greeting. Ilana told me I shouldn't say that line in a Transylvanian accent, so you're welcome. (laughs) But he really does, he really loves to count things. I don't know the last time that you watched Sesame Street, uh, but it's clear that for him, counting is, it's far from a trivial matter. He counts everything and anything regardless of size or quantity. And he even has, as we learned through this BBC interview, a favorite number. 34,969. The radio crew was stumped. It's a square root thing, he said. So a flurry of midrash came pouring in from the radio show's devoted followers. 34,969, that's 187 squared. But why 187? Listener Toby Lewis, he suggested that 187 is the total number of points on the tiles of a Scrabble game, implying that the count had, of course, counted every letter in the bag. The Book of Numbers, as you've read and heard today, opens with a census. This is neither the first nor the last census the Torah records conveying both the practical and spiritual significance of this repeated act of counting. Practical in this week's Parsha, because the Israelites are preparing to enter the land of Israel where a battle awaits them. So a census is a way of tallying the troops prior to warfare. But our commentators suggest that it's really much deeper than that. Why does God count us again and again? Because of God's affection for us. Mitoch chibatan, in the words of Rashi. Even the method of counting suggests that love is expressed by seeing and being seen. Ramban writes that Moses and Aaron were instructed to count each person with respect, learning their names as they passed in front of their leaders one at a time, so that they could pray for them, each according to their own situation. The language of the census hints that this process is about much more than arriving at the aggregate. It's about communicating through counting that you count, that you matter, you belong, you're integral to who we are as a collective. And no one expresses this idea better than the early Hasidic masters and in particular, the Ishpitzer Rebbe. He teaches that the language of the census is peculiar. You heard Caleb chant it. 
Se'u et rosh, raise the heads of all the congregation of the children of Israel. Raising, he writes, signifies elevation. By means of counting, each individual will experience elevation and a special significance will be seen in each one. He continues, everyone will be absolutely necessary. Kol echad because the greatness of God is seen in the entire community of Israel. And if just one member of that community is missing, the mixture will be deficient. It's as if God is a puzzle and we are the pieces. When a piece goes missing or when it isn't counted, we lose the unique expression of humanity found in that one soul, leaving us with both an incomplete community and an individual harmed by our failure to truly see them. And God suffers. God is incomplete. A hole is punctured in God's heart. This notion that counting every last member of the community is a vital necessity is the idea that animates another Hasidic teaching attributed to the Baal Shem Tov. He teaches that each of us corresponds to a single letter in the Torah. Just as there are 600,000 letters in the Torah, 600,000 souls left Egypt and became a people in the wilderness. And so each soul is linked to a letter in the scroll, each with its own shape and placement and story to tell within our collective narrative. And this mystical truth doesn't only apply to the generation of the Exodus, but to all of us, the inheritors of this sacred text. You might be the Bet of Breshit, the Shin of the Shema, the Dalit of Echad, the Lamed of Yisrael. Every letter is counted and celebrated for its unique value and then added up to arrive at 600,000. You might say this is God's way of counting the Scrabble tiles and arriving at a favorite number. And look, I know that this teaching requires us to stretch the boundaries of our imagination. How can a person be a letter? But when you build this bridge between counting every last soul in a census and counting every last letter in a scroll, teaching radically that one mirrors the other, we're left with a new set of questions, which our tradition offers answers to. What happens if a letter is missing from the scroll? What happens if it was once there, but through neglect or wrongdoing, it gets erased or smudged? These questions are, of course, not only about letters on parchment, but about people in our lives. People whose visibility and identity are actively being threatened right now. In 2023 alone, 71 anti-trans bills have already passed out of the 549 proposed across the country. This week, the Texas legislature passed a ban on gender-affirming care for people under the age of 18, including hormone treatments and gender-affirming surgeries. For trans, and non-binary teens already receiving hormone treatments, they are required to 
wean themselves off these treatments. And this past Wednesday, the governor from Florida signed a ban that imposes felony penalties on healthcare providers who administer gender-affirming care to those under 18. These bans are not anomalies. They build on a coordinated effort across many states and on the national level to strip trans and non-binary people, children and adults alike, of their inherent right to live in alignment with the truth of who they are. To put it into the language of our tradition, these bans make the dangerous claim that to be made in God's image only applies to some and not to all. They're a conscious attempt to harm the beautiful and courageous souls who yearn to be accepted as themselves within their communities and society. They represent the claim that not everyone needs to be counted, that not everyone deserves a letter in the scroll, that we'd be better off without every piece in the puzzle. But that is antithetical to everything of merit that our tradition has to say about the dignity of people and the sanctity of text. Listen to the laws about writing a Torah scroll and hear in them the absolute necessity to protect and cherish every last human being for everyone has a letter in the scroll. Rabbi Yishmael asked Rabbi Meir, my son, what is your vocation? I'm a scribe. My son, be careful in your vocation lest you omit a single letter and you end up destroying the whole world in its entirety. For the omission of a single letter, an aleph, can change the meaning from truth to death, from emet to met. How dangerous the gap can be between the ability to express one's truth and the chilling consequences of being denied that right. A letter omitted from the scroll can destroy a whole world in its entirety, and every letter belongs. And when a letter is missing, or it's blurred, faded, or nearly erased, the entire Torah is invalid, unfit for ritual use. If there's a soul missing from the text, you can't carry on with the story. Everything must pause because we refuse to pretend like 600,000 letters is the same as 600,000 minus one. The scroll in turn must be restored. Letters return to their vibrancy, to the clarity of who they are. And if we're not sure whether a letter or word is too blurry to read, the halakha, Jewish law teaches that we call up a child to read what's in front of them. If the child can recognize the letter and the word, you can continue reading, and if not, the scroll is invalid. Ours is a tradition that teaches that a child's discernment makes all the difference. We believe them. We trust the ways they interpret the signs in front of them just as we ought to trust the signs they discern within them. There's a particular cruelty in denying children and teens the ability to be 
who they truly are. That is not our way. We honor the truth. We honor their truth. And we have to devote ourselves to ensuring it. And lastly, when a letter needs to be rewritten, when wear and tear or even neglect leaves an indelible mark, repair is possible. The letter is scratched out and scribed back into the text. But there's a custom not to use ordinary metals because that's the material weapons are made of. And the Torah must not be or become associated with tools of violence. And then the text reads, surgical scalpels are an exception because they are used to save life, not to take life. We believe in care that saves lives, that restores the place of both the letter and soul within the collective. To our trans and non-binary friends, I want you to know that we see you, we love you, and you belong. Our Torah and our community are only whole if you are a part of it. And the relentless fight for respect and dignity must not fall on your shoulders alone. As allies, we need to move beyond rhetoric. Invest in community services that prevent violence against trans and non-binary people. Sign petitions for banning conversion therapy practices. Write your elected officials advocating for expanding access to gender-affirming medical care. Support legislation that ensures that trans and non-binary people have equal access to services and public accommodations. Protest, donate, volunteer, listen, and learn. The Aleph of Emet depends on us. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brass again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you maybe even in person sometime soon.